0: welcome back to the ed morrissey show podcast joining us a couple days late just because of things the prince of twitter the regent of redstate.com andrew malcolm at ah malcolm on the twitters is andrew welcome back <laughs>
1: thank you uh it's good to be here it's not a week without hot air and
0: and uh it's not a week without andrew malcolm uh, on my podcast either and uh Like we would have done this earlier, um, except that both of us had things that came up, including the, you know, the big transition to our new platform, our new blogging platform over at hotair.com. And uh, that's been (laughs) interesting. (laughs)
1: Tech is fun when it works.
0: Yeah. Yeah, they've been they've been working hard to make it work for us. You know, we're still ironing out some things. The readers really shouldn't notice anything about this. Most of the stuff um, didn't have to do with the readers; it was all back end stuff. But we're all learning new software now, and we're having lots of fun with that. The guys are uh, the guys and gals are doing a great job of keeping up with things, regardless. And uh, by the end of the <laughs> week, crossing my fingers. By the end of the week, we'll be <laughs> we'll be good. Be ready for the Super Bowl. Yeah, the Super Bowl. We should talk a little bit about the Super Bowl. That's coming up this weekend. You know, I, I saw that the, uh, I don't know if you saw this, Andrew, but uh, the Chiefs did announce that they may not have a full roster uh, for Sunday. Um, but I said, I, I i am confident that Taylor Swift can get back from Japan. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, I see she, she sold one private jet, so she probably get one that with a longer range. I don't know. Um, yeah, that's kind of fun. I have to say, I don't mind. I don't think it's political. I mean, is yeah. there any, there's hardly anyone in show business except Tom Selleck and Patricia Heaton who aren't liberal. So, uh, you kind of expect it. And, 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 who? it's so much fun to see somebody who's so full of energy all the time. Did you see? She did one of her three-hour concerts in a downpour, uh, and just just carried on and carried on. Then she's getting amply rewarded financially, which I think is great. The, yeah. Speaking speaking of finances, I read something this morning: uh, the Super Bowl ads in 1970. Um uh, the costs seventy thousand dollars, I think it
0: was that yeah, for a thirty second spot,
1: yeah, that makes yeah, sense yeah, yeah,
0: let's see where it is um <laughs> I can only guess what it's gonna cost this year yeah, seven seven million seven million for thirty seconds
1: <laughs> yeah. oh it's seventy eight thousand in nineteen seventy quarter million in nineteen eighty Two million in 2000, five and a half million in 2020, and seven million today, because they know they're. I mean, you can't. And this is why Usher and everybody else does the halftime show
0: for free. Yeah, because it's a huge boost. Well, to their I, yeah, they Yeah, yeah. I'm actually. I actually think that they missed. They missed their chance here. Although I think they settled on. The halftime show before the whole you know dating arrangement came up. But wouldn't it have been fun to have oh. Taylor Swift do the halftime <laughs> show at the Super Bowl? Oh my gonna, gosh. She
1: oh. Would have been 18 minutes of publicity. Oh that's I hadn't thought of that at your uh that's yeah, pretty smart. Yeah, I think Roger
0: Goodell is kicking himself that he didn't uh that that he didn't uh get that done but it's going to be a, it, it'll be a fun show look I always enjoy the Super Bowls uh, you know there have been Super Bowl halftime shows that I could have lived without and you know the whole Justin Timberlake Janet Jackson thing with the wardrobe malfunction was one of those uh, because it wasn't just that the whole thing was sort of like this s and fantasy sequence that had been going on even prior to him ripping you know the bodice open on Janet Jackson's uh, uh, costume. But um, for the most part, they're usually pretty good. I mean, I really enjoyed Lady Gaga's. And I've, I've probably heard one of her songs prior to that night. But it was a great show. And uh, so they usually do a pretty good job. I, I think the last one with The weekend was kind of weird. But yeah. people there seemed to enjoy it. And it's fun. You know, the whole thing is about, it's about fun. It's about spectacle. And that's the reason why I never cared that Jack Nicholson was sitting, you know, courtside at the LA Lakers games or that you know Spike Lee did the same thing with the Knicks there's always been celebrities around these things there's always been celebrities in the stands especially uh for you know the big championship games and tv cameras pick them out all the time um well that's why they're there they're there for the same publicity that the halftime show is there for yeah, they're trying to they're trying to get out and make themselves known. I think Ryan Reynolds was at an Eagles game this this season. Unfortunately for Ryan Reynolds, uh, he, he's not going to have a box. Oh, I'm sure he would if he wanted a box, uh, a box seat at the uh, Super Bowl, but it won't be with the Eagles. Yeah. Um, it's just fun you say oh there's ryan reynolds It's great oh there's taylor swift you know it just expands the appeal and look the nfl over the last several years needed to find ways to re-expand its appeal because it was collapsing for several years so
1: it's harmless and uh uh, uh, i think a, a large hidden part of the super bowl intrigue is it's live and unpredictable Now, it's predictable that there will be spectacle, but you don't know what's going to happen in the game. uh, And you don't know what you're going to see when the cameras switch. I mean, that's what they play on with with their control trucks. So um, I I love the idea of Taylor Swift, someone who hasn't yet been arrested for smuggling drugs from China. Uh, And um, I have to admit, Ed, I've never watched the halftime show. I think I watched the. I think I watched the first few minutes. With, did Michael Jackson do one? I think oh, a he did. Long time
0: ago, yeah, long time ago he did one. I yeah. think
1: I watched one of those, part of one of those, and I just it's like come here for football and we get. Yeah, that's fine. It's okay. It's fun for you, Ed, but you're young.
0: Not really? Oh yeah, I'm young. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's see. I'm a youngster um again, well i just saw something that the
1: young women i suppose because of uh or younger people i suppose because of taylor swift and are now have much more interest in uh in the nfl which is which is as, as if that business needed more success it's it's uh i think money after money after money it's just amazing you know Apple pays them fifty million dollars a year for the halftime uh, sponsorship.
0: That's it. <laughs> I would say. I mean, that's uh, you know, if they didn't think they were getting their money's worth, they'd stop oh. doing. It, you know,
1: well, there's a like, there's a the guy, Joe Pompliano. Do you know him? No. He he has a he has a sports uh, column or sports feature online called huddle up and he does he goes in depth into sports things like do you know how much it costs every week for formula one to move all those cars everywhere uh and this week this week yeah i I mean it's, it's fast like how how the nfl milks the nfl workout whatever they call that now and It's the combine, the combine, combine, and they get a, they get a fortune for that. And, um, uh, so I, I read that and he, and he documents what happens to these artists who do it for free. Apparently the, the NFL gives the artists $3 million for a budget. And that's it. And uh some of them have gone up to spending seven million four extra million of their own money for the for the publicity but instantly and and I guess Usher has timed a record release to the moment he walks off stage today uh or Super Bowl um uh, but the instant they're on, they're number one on Spotify their sales go up, their ticket prices go up they Uh, and they advertise their tours it's it's um it's it's fast it's fascinating sports business it's like reading about uh the truck driver that wins the lottery like right yeah yeah Yeah. you know i keep i keep hoping to win the lottery but then my wife told me you have to buy tickets
0: i i just found that out myself (laughs) i I was wondering why i hadn't
1: won it yet i'm not gonna waste money paying teachers in tennessee to get a a shot at you know
0: five dollar a week winning if you look at the odds yeah on the lottery and i'm not saying that people play it out of rationality it's more just something to do for fun right i get that for most people there might be people who have you know, problems playing this, these games. But if you look at the odds, you have almost the same exact odds of winning whether or not you buy a ticket (laughs) because the odds are so astronomical against winning the the big prize. I mean, you can win smaller prizes. The odds are better on the smaller prizes, obviously. But but the jackpots, the odds of winning the jackpot are so astronomical that it's almost the exact same odds whether or not you've actually bought a ticket. Think about that. Now, obviously, you know, you can't win unless you buy a ticket. But that tells you (laughs) what the odds are for you, even if you do buy a ticket. It probably... The odds of getting getting hit by lightning. Yeah. I think think it's 14 times higher than the odds of getting hit by lightning. (laughs) It depends on the game that we're talking about, but I've seen that figure getting thrown around. Is that 14... It's, you're 14 times more likely to be hit by lightning than you are of winning the Powerball, even if you, uh, even if you do buy the ticket. Um, so there you go. I must, I, am- I, have, I must admit, I have spent the
1: winnings in my mind, mentally.
0: Oh yeah, who hasn't? <laughs> I've, I've, I've got plans, baby. <laughs> <laughs> plans i just don't have the cash you know if i get the cash then then the plans will come into the fore. but believe remember you-
1: remember steve martin is bit where he said how to avoid paying taxes on a million dollars first get a
0: million dollars then <laughs> <laughs> what <laughs> well steve martin probably has had that problem so there you yeah. go you know uh, the rest of us have not I want to get to your columns, though. I want to get to your columns. Um, uh, you have your column and you have your um, Malcolm on the right. Um, I'm not sure both these these might both be columns, actually, rather than Malcolm on the right. Uh, you um, Let's talk about uh, the Afghan allies. Thousands of betrayed Afghan allies remain stranded there from Joe Biden's botched exit. Yeah, and as far as we know, there may be thousands of Americans, too. The State Department told Congress well, two and a half years ago now, or almost two and a half years ago, that they their estimate was that there were fourteen thousand American citizens and legal permanent residents that were left behind in Afghanistan when it, when the yeah. U.S. pulled out, um, yeah. and that's a figure that doesn't get a lot of attention in the media. But that was the State Department figure, <laughs> the estimate of that that they supplied to Congress, and that was in I think October or November of twenty twenty one, and yeah. um, and we haven't heard anything about that since um we haven't heard a whole lot about um about the uh abandoned allies either and there was a story i think it was either the free beacon or the spectator this week and i think it came out maybe even after your your column did that basically um the white house attitude was f them yeah yeah. (laughs) you know they didn't get out that's that's their problem is that i mean is that kind of what the basis of your VIP yeah
1: partner. well, I, I just find it to be a stain on our national honor. We did the same thing in uh, Vietnam. Uh, here, the problem, you'd think after a couple of major combat defeats, that the United States would figure out how to get out of a country semi-orderly, but we haven't. In, I was there in Vietnam at the end, near the end, and the ambassador, Uh, said, well, we're not going to prepare for an evacuation because that'll cause panic, which, of course, caused panic. And thousands of South Vietnamese, you can call them allies, but they worked for the U.S. in one form or another. And the same in Afghanistan, got left behind. And they got in Vietnam, they got sent to re-education camps. And then some of them, I guess, got themselves expelled, blessed, blessedly, uh, later on. Uh, but Afghanistan is different. It's a stain on our national honor. You and I have talked about this before, and I know you you think this is the worst thing. It is terrible. Uh, this is when Biden's, not that it matters, but Biden's slide in the opinion polls started. It uh, was in the summer of, of twenty one. Uh, and I I mean, uh, uh, it's painful to even talk about the Pentagon said, you're going to need thousands of troops to, um, ensure an orderly evacuation. And Biden said, no, we're getting all of our troops out and that's it. But it was so awful. Remember the pictures of Afghans falling off of airplanes, trying to cling onto the wings and dying. George Stephanopoulos asked uh, uh, Biden about this, and Biden's Mr. Empathy's response was, that was four days ago, as if they're a little less dead today. Uh, so that was so bad, they had to send more troops in than they evacuated. They had this, and to the Pentagon's credit, they knew that him ignoring their advice was going to cause chaos, so they prepared for the chaos. So they sent in 8,000 more troops. 13 of them got killed and a couple hundred Afghans by a suicide bomber. Uh, And I mean, we all saw the chaos at the gate. It breaks your heart. But in addition to that, in addition to that, there were 150,000 Afghans and their families who got promised safe and speedy exit if they work for the U.S. These are people who translated, they put their lives on the line. They translated, they traveled with U.S. troops on patrol. They were scouts to help find the IEDs along the road in the trails. But they did very dangerous stuff. Um, and some of them didn't make it. They were just left. And like you said, Biden's response is F them. Well, a lot of them have been killed, executed since then when they find out because in the chaos, in the haste to exit unorganized, the U.S. and the Allies left behind all the personnel files, unshredded, undestroyed. Yep. So so the Taliban had the names of all the collaborators, their addresses, their DNA, the color of their eyes, and they track, they track them down and kill them. Uh, they uh, have been the allies, a lot of them have gone into hiding, changed their names, and the U.S. Biden's administration claims, well, we have these speedy SCVs or SIVs, speedy exit visas. Uh, The the 150,000, they claim they've done almost 38,000 to get them out. But how are you going to get documentation to prove you work for the U.S. government? Right. Uh, when they left the files behind in Afghanistan and two, you're outing yourself to the people who are hunting you I mean, it's just so totally effed up you can't imagine and it's effed up in a deadly way not just a, oh boy, that's chaos, no, these people are dying because of it and I don't know in the future who would ever willingly uh, offer help to the United States in these terrible places.
0: It's just... Yeah, I, I mean, it, it, you're right about it being dishonorable. I think that even that, though, is secondary to the dishonor of leaving Americans behind to the Taliban. Oh yeah, and sure. I mean that that is just absolutely despicable.
1: And um, he said, and he said with George Stephanopoulos, "We're not leaving till everyone uh, gets out who wants out," and then. Boom, he just pulled the plug. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then, and then completely lied and calling it an extraordinary success. But here's the thing about this that I find most frustrating is that the media still isn't really talking about this. Oh,
1: they're not talking no.
0: about the American citizens and legal permanent residents left behind. They're not talking they're not talking much about the Afghan allies that pops up every once in a great while. No one, no media outlet is asking the White House about it. None. They're just not. I mean, and this is ridiculous. This is a huge stain on our record. Um, and it arguably set the stage for all the other dominoes that are now falling in that region. Exactly. Exactly. And, and the the press couldn't care less. Apparently, they're like the White House; they don't give a damn about the fact that Biden abandoned Americans in Afghanistan because they want Biden be, to be reelected. And to and to point this out is to disgrace him so much that there's no possible way that people will vote for the guy. There's no possible way you
1: can explain it in a positive spin. There's no, there's no positive spin to this. On the other hand, he didn't leave 200,000 people behind. You know, the, the poor uh, Pakistani doctor who risked his own life to go into Osama bin Laden's house to pretend yeah. being a do- well, he was a doctor, but to get a swab from Osama bin Laden's mouth to prove it was him. He's rotting in a Pakistan prison on a 30 plus year prison sentence. And we haven't gotten them out. It's like, okay, thanks. Eh, sorry. Yeah. Well, this stuff happens. It,
0: <laughs> stuff happens.
1: You know, exactly. Yeah, we, we give them so much, mon- so many million dollars every year. And we can't say, look, um, this isn't happening until you let him out of the country. Uh, you know, that's it. Uh, but no, we don't care, like you said. And that's a stain on our honor. And it's a, a warning beacon uh, for anyone else who risks their butt to help the U.S. in the future. And there will be times where we need that. These guys are essential. I, I had local allies in Vietnam. It saved my ass uh, a couple of times from doing something that was dangerous, but I didn't know it. Um, and uh, uh, the ambassador, uh, Martin Graham Martin, he said, "Well, we can't. You can't prepare because it'll cause panic." Behind his back, the CIA came to. I don't know if they went to all the news organizations, but they came to us. I was working for the New York Times at the time and said, get out, get your people out. The end is very near. Um, Now, they didn't get their own people out, but they told us about it. So we were able to get our Vietnam employees and their families out. I don't know that their life was better because they came out because it was a huge cultural adjustment. But we got them out, and um, I found them in, in the refugee camp in, uh, in Guam, where 120,000 Vietnamese refugees, so they had their own zip code for a while in this tent city. The admiral who ran Guam at that time, was a former fighter pilot uh, in over Vietnam. His, it was Admiral Morrison. His son was James, Jim Morrison, you know, the singer who killed himself. Oh yeah. 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 I had dinner with him and he was still of course devastated by that, but um, he was planning, excuse me. He was planning for the, what the evacuation that he knew would happen weeks before the end of Vietnam, he was flying. Well, what? Hundred and twenty thousand people. What do you figure? Eight in a tent. He was flying in tents from Utah, from military Pentagon storage in Utah weeks before, and having his troops set them up in Guam. Yeah. And, uh, so not everyone in the government is bad, but the big people—they—they they just let—they let these people down because hey, they can't
0: vote. Screw them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we got a couple of minutes left. I do want to talk about what happened last night in the House of Representatives. Oh. The House GOP held two votes in less than an hour and humiliated themselves on both counts. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this before. Normally, <laughs> you know, party leadership would very carefully, either you know, make sure that their whip count was correct, or or simply postpone votes when they're not sure, right? And the first vote that came up yesterday was the impeachment of Alejandro Mayorkas, which really was entirely performative anyway, because the Senate's never going to remove Mayorkas from office. I mean, you need sixty-seven votes in the Senate, and there's forty-nine Republicans. You're they, they, not going to get eighteen Democrats to flip on Mayorkas. Um, But, you know, you can make an argument, well, you got to do something because this border crisis is terrible, which it is, and it's Biden cause, which it is. Mayorkas is contributing to it, which he is. But if you're going to do that when you only have a three-seat majority and you know you're not going to get a single Democrat to come along on it, it behooves you to make sure that you've got enough votes to win and instead Speaker Mike Johnson held the first impeachment vote ever to lose in the House of Representatives in a hundred well, in regards to, um, in regards to a cabinet official in 148 years. Now that's something. I mean, I, I have a post coming up as we're talking about this. It'll be up by the time this podcast goes up, but the first line of it is as Casey Stengel said about the 1962 Mets, can't anyone here play this game? <laughs> I mean, that's just, a you com- know- embarrassing failure on the part this, of
1: leadership here. This is the suicide complex within the Republican caucus. Yep. They, it's it, like you said, it was performative, but they're going to go ahead because ideologically they need to do it. And they think they're getting even for the two impeachments of Trump and whatever. Well, it's like you say, it's it's predetermined you're going to lose. But by golly, we need to get on the record, what, that you lost? What is that? Why do you do that? And uh, it's a self, what do you call it? What was it when the Buddhist priests used to set themselves on? Self-immol- immol- Self-immolation, immol- yes. Immolation, yeah. Why do, you, why do you do this? Postpone it. There's no cost to postponing it. And then, you know, let it die. But instead, and, and I, you know, you can look ahead to November and think that mm, we're kind of doing the same thing with this primary. Because uh, their, the loyalty to Trump, which Trump really appreciates, or I don't know if he appreciates it, he likes it, uh, is, could very well drive them to hand Joe Biden another term. You know, um, you got know. Joe Bi- Joe Biden. He doesn't know the day of the week, and the polling, national polling at the moment is close. What is that? I mean, you could say, "Well, I I hope things turn around." Mm, no, 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 no. Oh, God! Yeah. It's, it's it's just, just it's, it's bad. A, you know, remember Blazing Saddles? Anyone yeah. move? Anyone moves? The sheriff
0: yeah. gets it. Yeah, yeah. It's just, And then the second vote, which was in the same hour or within the same hour, was on the Israeli aid bill, which Johnson brought to the floor under suspension of rules, which means he had to have two-thirds majority to pass the bill. And the reason why is because he had three Republicans that refused to support the bill in the rules committee. One of which is Chip Roy, who is uh, not my congressman, but is in in a nearby district. Um, And Thomas Massey was another. And I'm trying to remember who the third one is. I have it in the post. So we couldn't get it through the rules committee. Uh, None of the Democrats would cross over. Uh, And normally, you know, the Republicans have a nine to four advantage in the rules committee. That's traditional, because the speaker really needs to make sure that he can get rules through the committee so he can bring bills to the floor. so it's usually a lopsided committee and they can't even get together to support Johnson on a rule <laughs> just to get the bill to the floor. Uh, then, so Johnson decides to bypass that and take it to, under suspension the rules, take it to the floor anyway. He doesn't even come close to the 287 votes he needs. He did get 46 Democrats to cross over, but 14 Republicans, including the three on the rules committee, voted no. So, I mean, that's that was actually a substantive, uh, substantive bill, other, you know, not the Mayorkas thing. It was it was it sort of an answer to what the Senate was doing on the border security by trying to just um, do a standalone aid bill for Israel, which I understand doing, but I don't understand bringing it to the floor if you can't get it passed. Um, and what and you're right. I mean, this is the whole Republican caucus, this entire session, right? Last year and this year, it's self-immolation over and over and over again. But Johnson, Johnson seems like a well-meaning backbencher who doesn't really have any idea what he's doing. Because if he had any idea what he was doing, he wouldn't have held either of those two votes yesterday. He just simply would have tabled it and then come back when A, when Steve Scalise was around with the Majorcus impeachment. They're planning to bring this back today, too, or today or tomorrow, because Scalise will be back in town. And they they're going to try to squeeze this by with Scalise now, providing the um providing the margin but i mean it's i I think even the performative value of a mayorkas impeachment has basically been blasted out of the water i mean by by this stunt absolutely right the
1: only reason i can think is that he's showing he's trying to show the caucus what they're doing to themselves i mean he can't be that dumb to know that I'm, I'm going to lose when I'm going to do it anyway. But he wants to show them this. This is what I've been telling you. We're going to be embarrassed nationally. And uh, and he was. And it's a quick way to not get uh, a House majority next time. Yeah. Uh, and to hand uh, Biden, which is really handing Kamala Harris uh, uh, control of the House where all financial legislation starts. Uh, it, and, you know, the, the Republicans did the same thing with the Freedom Caucus when when um, Trump wanted to get the tax cuts, remember, back at the beginning of his term. Yep. Uh, it, it,
0: it's, <laughs> I'm going to show you. Obamacare repeal. Obama repeal. That, was what, uh, that was what happened in 20, 2017. They tried to push Obamacare repeal, and it failed in the Senate. But also
1: the Freedom Caucus gave him gas on the uh, income yeah. tax.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true.
1: You remember A Life of Brian where the, suicide, the Japanese Suicide Squad shows up yeah. and they said, oh, you've showed up to save us? I said, no, we
0: showed up to commit suicide. You go, yeah. what? <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, that was the caucus last night. Okay, one last thing before we get to the jokes of, of the week, right? One last thing. Nikki Haley ran unopposed on, uh, on the Nevada primary ballot yesterday. And the reason why is that the Nevada Republicans are holding caucuses and that's where the delegates are going. And she and Mike Pence had committed to doing the primary and everybody else committed to doing the caucus. Pence has dropped out. So Haley ran unopposed in the Nevada primary yesterday and lost <laughs> and not even close because Nevada has none, none of the above as <laughs> a legitimate ballot choice. And she lost to none of the above 60 to 33 um andrew is that saying something to nikki haley is nikki haley going to look at that and go you know maybe this isn't such a great idea
1: yeah i'm not i uh, i i i knew uh, uh nikki haley a little bit back and when she was a governor and um i i really admire her i don't understand that move um but uh she's i think she's running just to stay in the race so if something some disaster happens to trump between now and the convention that she's the obvious alternative because she stayed in the longest uh she's making a lot of enemies on the trump side uh but so does everybody else who isn't taking the blood oath so i It's, you know, this is part of this Republican suicide complex. I don't, I don't understand it. It's disappointing. And I'm afraid we're going to be stuck with uh, Joe Biden 2.0.
0: Yeah. I mean, and my argument for a plan B, just in case Trump for some reason can't do it, is that it really doesn't matter if you're in the primaries or not, because at this point, it'd have to go to the convention and they'd have to open it up to everybody. And Ron DeSantis is probably the guy that is much more consonant with the, you know, the, the mood, if you will, of the Republican party. And there's nothing preventing Ron DeSantis or for that matter, um, Oh, uh, I can't think of his name. The governor of Virginia, the current governor of Virginia. who's Youngkin, Youngkin, Youngkin. They could pick Glenn Youngkin. They could pick anybody they want at the convention, right? They could pick Don Trump Jr., I guess, if they really wanted to do something like that. I don't think it would work. But I mean, the point being is that it doesn't matter how if, if she's got 36 delegates and Ron DeSantis only got 12. <laughs> right? Uh, Or if she had 136 delegates and Ron DeSantis only had 12, if Trump can't make it, it has to go back to the convention. And it's going to be a convention filled with Donald Trump voters because Donald Trump's winning all the primaries. Mm -hmm. And they're not going to like Nikki Haley's policies. if If they understand that there's no way that Trump can do it for whatever reason that happens to be, they're going to look for somebody who's at least similar to the guy that they're backing. Oh uh, which would probably be DeSantis probably DeSantis would get would, would get drafted um in that case but um but yeah I mean I I she's going to go into South Carolina apparently still I, I'm not sure that she's after Nevada she's going to last into so- South Carolina I don't think she wants to have that level of humiliation in her own home state I, if she wants to run for office later I think she's going to have to really think that one through um but uh but yeah, I mean, I, and I like Nikki Haley. I do. I mean, I've, I've said all along, look, if Nikki Haley can win the nomination, I'd happily vote for Nikki Haley. You know, I preferred Ron DeSantis to her. Yeah. But I'd be fine with Nikki Haley. I'd be f- better with Ron DeSantis. Donald Trump is Donald Trump. Um, You know, I'm basically going to vote to replace Joe Biden. Which is a, isn't interesting.
1: That's a turn... That's a turn of 2020 on its head, because right. they were voting for Joe Biden to replace Donald Trump. And yeah, I, I just
0: and and everybody suddenly time. realized that there's a lot worse things than mean tweets. <laughs> yeah, you know?
1: exactly, exactly,
0: exactly. That's not the only issue with Donald Trump, though. I don't want to I don't want to minimize that, but I mean, uh, you know, some of those yeah. issues emerged after the election took place, and, yeah. and those are definitely issues. Um, yep. reasons for people to have some some second thoughts about where they're going to go in 2024 but you know i it, it, at any rate I, that's all i wanted to get into let's let's put well, that what aside what you're that. saying is we are totally screwed <laughs> totally screwed we're totally screwed so we may as well laugh our way out of this podcast right, right. With the jokes of the week I, I, have you had a chance to look up a couple? i've got a i've got a few um okay Ruth Buzzy, you remember her? I remember
1: Ruth Buzzy. She's on Twitter too. She's funny. she's funny. She's great. She's a great follow on Twitter. She said, "Now that vehicles can drive themselves, it's only a matter of time until we get a country song about a truck leaving a cowboy." (laughs) (laughs) I'd pay to listen to that. Um, And I, I. Uh, Excuse me, I don't know where I got this, but an anonymous scam caller said, I have all your passwords. So I grabbed the pencil and paper and said, thank God, what are they? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Let's see, but I got one, one other one. Oh, this is an old one from David Letterman. He says, a Sochi Olympic Hotel. I think it's called Two Seasons. (laughs) That's funny in itself. (laughs) Instead of a little chocolate on your pillow, the Russian maids leave a potato.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There you go. The two seasons hotel. I like that. All right. Well, I got a couple for you. Okay. There's there's three men traveling around the globe in a hot air balloon, right? So like, you know, around the world in 80s days, Jules Verne type stuff. So they're passing over this one area. And the Russian man puts his hand outside and says, I think we're passing over, over Russia. And the others just say, how do you know that? And he says, well, I can feel the cold air. So a few hours later, the Egyptian man uh, puts his hand out the window. He says, I think we're passing over Cairo. And I said, well, how can you tell that? And he says, well, I can feel the desert air. So a few you know a few hours after that, the American sticks his hand outside the basket and says, "I think we've just passed over New York." And they said, "Come on, how can you tell that?" And he says, "My watch is missing." <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. All right, one more. And this is kind of this is kind of good with the podcast that we that we do, right? So a doctor, an engineer, and a politician are arguing is which profession was older, right? The doctor says, well, look, without a physician, mankind could not have survived. So I'm sure that mine is the oldest profession. And the engineer goes, no, 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 no. Before life began, there was complete chaos. It took an engineer to create some semblance of order from this chaos. So engineering is older, says the politician. Who do you think created the chaos? Yeah, well, we're seeing lots of that today. So there you go, Uh, you know, this week anyway. That's why we got the chaos, yeah. Those are the jokes of the day. Mine came from jokesoftheday.net, which is a fun site. If you get a chance, you can take a look at that. They're not paying me to do this, by the way. It's just I like to look up the jokes there and have some fun. Um, Andrew Malcolm, the prince of Twitter, the regent of redstate.com. At A.H. Malcolm on Twitter, you go to redstate.com. Well, the link is in his Twitter profile, by the way. We never call it X here. We always call it Twitter. Oh, Twitter. Twitter. And and you can go over to his author page at redstate.com. You can see his latest. We've already talked about one of the topics. Thousands of betrayed Afghan allies remain stranded there from Joe Biden's botched exit. And his previous one, realizing how much woke corrodes our culture. Be sure to check both of those out in the VIP section at redstate.com. Andrew, thanks for being flexible on our recording date this week. And we'll talk next week.
1: Okay, thank you, Ed, and thanks, everybody. See you then.